Good morning. morning. Merry Christmas. Good to be here. Good to gather, whether physically or electronically. One announcement as we begin is that we will have a candlelight service this evening at 6 o'clock. We will meet here in the Fellowship Hall, hear some scriptures and some songs of the season. And uh, look forward to gathering with everybody for that. And I hope everybody has a wonderful and safe Christmas and New Year um, as we look forward to the next couple weeks. Are there any other announcements today? Well, if not, our call to worship comes from the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Since I have trouble walking and chewing gum at the same time, I figured I'd light and then read. So, This is Mary's song after she had visited Elizabeth, which was after she had been told by Gabriel what would happen to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for these words where Mary lifts up praise and worship to you. Words that remind us that you are mindful of our humble state and that you are a promise-keeping God who has brought redemption through his son, through the descendant of Abraham, to all the nations. Because you have brought salvation and redemption to all the nations, we are able to gather here in your presence to worship you and to know that our worship is acceptable before you. And so remind us, Lord, that you are here with us. Remind us that you are forever God with us. And remind us that we are here to worship you. We do worship through prayer, for the, through the giving of tithes and offerings, through the reading and the teaching of the word, through the lifting of our voices in song. And we also worship you by praying as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take your hymn book, the maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 162. Lo, how a rose air blooming. 
the Rose of Sharon. We are here to worship our Lord and Savior. So let us stand and sing, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming, hymn 162. Thank you. Please be seated. As we consider Mary's attitude of worship to God, we are reminded that oftentimes we fall short in our worship, and yet God gives us the opportunity to come to Him to confess and to repent. So let's take a few moments to confess our sins together. Lift up your heads, O you people. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and know that the King of glory has come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the one who has purchased salvation for us and given us forgiveness of sins. Our New Testament reading today comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. We will read Hebrews 2, 5 through 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, 
now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by our by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But the one who makes man holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. And the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not to angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he has to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Part of our worship is the giving of our tithes and offerings. So now please please prayerfully consider how and what you will give.
To God and Father above, we do lift all glory, praise and honor to you. We thank you for all that you have provided for us. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you through the givings of our tithes and offerings. So please take what is given and please use it for your glory and for your honor so that your message of peace might be proclaimed into the darkness and the strife of our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing and take your hymn book and turn once to hymn number 159. What child is this? As the shepherds entered Bethlehem, as the shepherds entered the, the place where they were staying, they were wondering, who was this child? And so let us sing hymn number 159, What Child Is This? Please be seated. As the saints who have come before us and the saints who will come after us have done for centuries,
we gather together around the truth of God's Word. And just as that truth was summarized early in the church history through the Apostles' Creed, we proclaim those same truths today. So church, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. A couple updates. Uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer, please continue to pray for Natalie Wade and her ongoing cancer treatments. Pray for her family as well as they seek to minister to her. She was... Yes, so she'll be starting her treatments, radiation, after the first of the year, and then chemo um, in conjunction with that as well. Um, Doug and Margie Crone, many of you all know them. Doug's mom passed away, so we pray for them and uh, sympathy for them as well. They were, uh, she was at uh, the old Greenbrier Manor, which is what, Greenbrier Healthcare Center, and they were able to spend the last few hours with her, so we do thank God for that. Um, some of you know Stephen and Presley Ann Lawfridge from the Wellspring Congregation. They both um, uh, tested positive for COVID-19 this week. Um, so please be praying for them. Right now it sounds like they're doing about as Missy and Chris were through um, some of the worst that they went through. So please be praying for Stephen and Presley Ann. And also his mom um, was placed on hospice care a few weeks ago. So be praying for his mom as well and the rest of the family. Any other prayer updates or prayer requests? Oh, goodness. Yes. How is D doing? Penny was going to transfer her to uh, rehab in Monroe County. Okay. Probably yesterday or today. Okay. Did everybody here? She D is being hopefully transferred yesterday or today to a rehab facility in Monroe County. Okay. Okay. All right. Anything else? Okay. And Susan Jackson is the one. Susan. Suzanne. Okay. 
And actually, be praying for Ellie. Uh, Sereno as well. She tested positive last week for the coronavirus. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, this is a time where we are supposed to feel the joy of the incarnation. And and we do. Uh, Forgive us for the times where we despair as we Consider the joy of our salvation coming through the virgin birth, our salvation coming through the word, taking on flesh and dwelling and living and uh, being among us. But oftentimes, uh, Christmas weighs heavy on our hearts as we consider uh, the brokenness of the world in which we live. Um, As we read the news, as we listen to the news, uh, once again, forgive us for probably doing that too much. Um, we can be uh, bogged down, weighed down by the weight of just all the bad news around us, um, which seems to somehow, even though it doesn't really ramp up, it still seems to be magnified at this time of the year. As we consider the light that entered humanity through Mary, we are reminded of the darkness that it entered and the darkness in which we still live. We see your light. We, we know that it shines through salvation. We know that it shines through um, the grace that you have extended to us. But it seems sometimes like knowing the light and seeing the light just sometimes makes the darkness worse. And so we ask that you shine the light of the incarnation into our lives in such a way Uh, that the darkness is banished and that we can truly celebrate with joy the incarnation. The fact that the second person of the Trinity came to to dwell among us. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you that he was tempted as we are and yet without sin. We thank you that he struggled as we do and yet without sin that he lived that perfect life, that unique life to where he exhibited attributes of God, to where he healed the brokenhearted, he bound up the wounds, that he brought freedom to the oppressed. Help us to live in the joy of knowing that those promises that the Old Testament prophets gave us are fulfilled in him. As we sang last week, all the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee in that night. Lord, we lift up our cares and concerns before you today, and they are many. We have a handful here that we will pray for specifically, but we have many cares and concerns that we carry with us, sometimes carrying alone, sometimes carrying with just a few select handful of people as we uh, walk this earth. We do lift up Suzanne Jackson and her family and ask that you be with them as hospice has been called in and Provide strength in the midst of that. Provide comfort in the midst of that. And we know that you will work and can work through that situation to bring your glory. We pray for Dee and thank you for her her, uh, progression. And we ask that you continue to bring her healing and help her with the swallowing problem so that she can um, then begin to eat on her own. We pray for Terry Gwynn and, and thank you for the successful surgery for his prostate cancer and 
uh, for a successful stint after his heart attack, and we ask that you continue to be with him as he recuperates and recovers from both of those. We think of Doug Crone and Margie and the rest of their family as they are grieving the loss of Doug's mom. Thank you for those couple hours that they had with her at the end of her life and continue to walk with them, bringing comfort and peace to them in the midst of this difficult time. We think of others who have lost this year and over the last few years and many of us who, even though it's been many, many years, will look at that empty chair Consider the empty chair that, or the chair that would be empty were we to gather this Christmas time and grieve. Would remind us, for those who believe in you, that uh, there is comfort, that there are tears that are wiped away, and there is grief that is taken away in the new heavens and the new earth. We pray for Stephen and Presley Ann and, and their children. Uh, bring Stephen and Presley Ann quick healing. Protect their children and the rest of their family. From this coronavirus, we pray the same for Ellie Sereno, that you would bring her quick healing and, and protect Hunter and Suzanne from it as well. We uh, ask that you take it away from our, our world. Um, Lord, uh, it seems to have ramped up the anger that we have for one another in our culture. It seems to have ramped up much of the selfishness that we show in our culture, it has exposed all the areas where we have turned our backs on you, seeking peace, seeking fulfillment, seeking purpose outside of you. It has exposed them and shown them for the sham that they are. It has exposed them as nothing, as vapor, as we grasp at things of this world to fill the need that can only be filled by you. Lord, I pray that you heal our land, not just medically, but spiritually as well. Use this Christmas season as a time for your church to fully understand and to fully know as much as we can the truth and the glory of the incarnation and to proclaim it in a way that is empowered by your spirit so that the world might hear, so that our country, so that our states, so that our community right here in Greenbrier County might turn their hearts toward you, might see their need for your light in the midst of this darkness and seek you out. Embolden us as your people to proclaim the gospel. Embolden us as your people to mess up the gospel as we proclaim it. And to rest in your spirit as the only means by which that gospel, whether it's perfectly presented or whether it is stumbled over and botched, can be effective in the life of the people who hear it. Lord, help us to set aside our pettiness. Help us to set aside our selfishness. And help us to seek your glory in your glory alone, in all that we do, in all that we say, even in all that we eat. Lord, we love you. We can only love you because you first loved us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Uh, We will begin in verse 26 of the first chapter of Luke. Luke, he tells us in the first four verses of his gospel that he undertook a mission to um, interview and as many people as he could, gather as much eyewitness information as he could about the life of Jesus, what Jesus did and taught during his earthly ministry. And he began at the beginning with Elizabeth and Zechariah and also with Mary. And so today we read the account of Gabriel coming to Mary to tell her about the child she would soon have. So hear these words from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let us pray. Our God and Father, once again, we come to you asking for illumination. Lord, please shine the light of your Holy Spirit upon this word so that we might better see, better understand the magnificence and the glory of the incarnation so that we might worship you better. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us in such a way that our hearts are changed that our eyes are open to your glory and that we leave here today refreshed, uplifted and shown how you have worked salvation for us. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. So what made Jesus a worthy sacrifice? What made Jesus work as our substitute valuable enough to pay the price for the sins of redeemed humanity? Last week, we looked at Jesus' divinity and how he kept that divinity throughout his earthly ministry. Even now, he is still truly God as well as truly man. And this divinity gave Jesus the capacity to be able to take judgment from God to pay for our sins. And this week, we are going to look at the other side of the coin of the doctrine of incarnation, Jesus' human nature. And see that there are two things that made him worthy to be our substitute. His humanity and his sinlessness. 
But first, before we jump into his humanity and his sinlessness, I want us to look briefly at the virgin birth because it is the basis of Jesus' humanity. Let's review what Sam Storms, how we used his definition last week of the incarnation. And when we talk about the incarnation, we mean that the eternal word or second person of the Trinity became a man or assumed flesh at a point in time, yet without ceasing to be God. The word flesh used in this definition is is taken from the word flesh used in John chapter 1, where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it is a strong, almost crude way of referring to human nature in its totality, in its wholeness, in its completeness. Jesus had a true body. He had a true soul, a true spirit or will, true emotions. All those things that make us human, except for sin, belong to Jesus. And we'll look at that sinlessness here in a little bit and also what it means for you and I in our walk, in our pursuit of holiness. But how did Jesus become flesh? He became flesh through what we read today of what Gabriel revealed to Mary prior to the Holy Spirit coming upon her and the power of the Most High overshadowing her. It it came through the virgin birth. Now, the virgin birth is something that, that many people have issue with. We just don't see that happen, you know. Parthenogenesis or whatever it's called just does not happen at all, much less on a regular basis within our culture. But we need to consider a couple things as we think about the virgin birth and its quote unquote believability. We need to remember our reliance upon the inspiration of Scripture. Scripture reveals to us God's truth. And we need, when we reach those areas where we don't fully understand or we are diving into the deep end of God's incomprehensibility, we need to trust and believe what He has revealed to us. It's not a blind faith. God never once calls us to blindly believe. He has revealed truth. He has accommodated His nature to us in such a way that we can study it so that we can know it, but we won't know it fully. And when we reach the bounds of our ability to know and to understand, we need to trust the truth that God has given to us. We need to trust the inspiration of Scripture. But we also need to consider the virgin birth in context of the rest of Jesus' life and the uniqueness of that life. His entire life was different from humanity. He was sinless. He is tempted as we are and yet without sin. His entire ministry was unique. He didn't need to study under teachers because he is the one who is the word of God. He comes with an authority from God because he descended from God. His ministry was also unique in that he exhibited in his ministry attributes of God. The power, knowledge. He is also omnipresent as God is now in his ministry to the church. His death was unique. Even the Roman centurion looked up as Jesus breathed his last and said, this truly is the Son of God. This truly is the Lord. And of course, his resurrection was unique. His ascension was unique. And his current ministry as a human being in the presence of God is unique as well. 
So why do we balk? Why do we disbelieve when we consider the uniqueness of his birth? If the rest of his life and ministry was unique, why not his birth as well? So how did the virgin birth occur? Luke 1 says, the Gabriel says that the Holy Spirit would come upon uh, Mary and the power of the Most High would overshadow her and that the Holy One would be born to her. And then she gives some names, the Son of God. In Matthew's account, uh, she is t- or Joseph is told to call his name Jesus because he would be the Savior of the world, Savior of the people of God. The details are very vague. I mean, the best we can do is to say, as Martin Lloyd-Jones does, that all we know is that something was taken from Mary, was cleansed, and was rendered free from all pollution so that his human nature was sinless and entirely free from all the effects and results of the fall. Such was the effect of the operation of the Holy Spirit upon her. We do know that Luke here is is very intentional in the language that he uses. It's it's uh, it's very asexual language. It, it seeks to remove as much of the physical act of procreation as possible from the conception of Jesus in order to separate it from myths of the time. This was not like Zeus with Achilles or Heracles' mothers. Um, This was a distinct act of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in order for for Jesus to be born of a woman. But it is the basis, the foundation, the beginning of His humanity. It It is the moment in which He took on flesh and began to dwell among us. We oftentimes don't give Mary as much credit as we should in the in the uh, Protestant church uh, as an overcorrective, I think, from the Catholic church from which we um, reformed. Uh, But she is special. She is great and highly favored, as Gabriel says to her twice. And this is the foundation of the incarnation. Now, whether we believe in the God of the Bible or we believe in the fabrication of our own. Whoops, I said that wrong. Sorry about that. It's not whether, it's we do. We either believe in the God of the Bible or we believe in a fabrication of our own minds. And the God of the Bible has revealed to us that the Word became flesh through the virgin birth. So how is He a worthy sacrifice? In pointing out the ineffectual nature of the Old Testament sacrificial system, Greg Lanier makes a point that was wonderful to me that I really should have gotten ages ago. We all know that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was ineffective. It was temporary and designed to be temporary and designed to point to something else. But what is one of the main reasons that it was ineffective? What being on earth sinned against God? A human being. And so who must pay the penalty for man's sin? A human None of the sacrifices of the Old Testament system were human. They were all bulls and goats and sheep and pigeons and different animals that could not pay for the penalty of sin. At best, they could be a temporary substitute pointing forward to our need for a worthy sacrifice. And that's the first thing that makes Jesus' sacrifice worthy is His humanity. As we talked about a few moments ago, He is flesh and blood. He is body and soul. His human nature was fully and truly human. 
As we consider his life, we see this. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 teach, tells us that Jesus was subject to the process of growth and development just as we are. Young people in the church, do you struggle with growing up and maturing? Jesus struggled with that just as you do, except without sin. Jesus experienced all the things that we experience without sin. He, he experienced suffering. He experienced death. He experienced pain and grief. There were times when he was hungry after 40 days in the wilderness. He was tempted with bread. Why? Because he hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was cold at times. He was hot at times. He was tired at times. All of the things that you and I experience as human beings, he experienced as well. He was truly human. He walked this earth as a human, living life. The joys of life, the difficulties of life, the ups of life, the downs of life, he lived. This includes temptation, which leads us to the second thing that makes him worthy. Because he was tempted as we are, according to Hebrews 4.15, yet without sin. He is tempted in all the ways that we think about, in many ways that we don't think about. The Ten Commandments, he was tempted in all those areas. Was he tempted to despair when he saw the darkness of the world around him? Absolutely. Was he tempted to turn his back on the path that God had laid before him? Absolutely. All of the areas, all of them, where you and I are tempted. He was tempted as well, yet without sin. Now you may be thinking in your mind, Ike, you told us last week that his divine nature allowed him to be sinless in the midst of temptation. So it was kind of a it's kind of a shoe-in. And definitely not as difficult as the temptations I face. So there is some truth to that. But let's think about Jesus' human nature for just a moment. How many of you have ever tried a diet before? I remember when I was in seminary, uh, one of my good friends, Rick, um, and I were talking about how we both wanted to lose weight. And Rick said, well, I've got this book. It's called The South Beach Diet. Why don't you pick up a copy and we'll do it together? South Beach Diet can be a wonderful thing. The hard part is, is for the first two to four weeks, you eliminate all carbohydrates. Do you like to can corn? Yeah, that's a problem. You can't have corn the first two to four weeks. Do you like carrots? That's a problem. You can't have carrots for the first two to four weeks. Do you like cookies and cakes and ice cream? You can't have cookies and cakes and ice cream for the first two to four weeks. Even bread is not allowed. Do you understand, do you know how hard it is to have a diet like mine and suddenly to stop eating bread and corn and carrots and cookies and cake and ice cream? They sit there on the table because I was the only one in the five of us that was doing this diet. There would be bread and cookies and cake and ice cream. And that was the most difficult thing in the world not to just run over and grab one after the kids had gone to bed and eat a cookie or a dozen. And nobody would know until Michelle got home tomorrow and counted because she was at work. 
And there's almost a sense of relief when you do that, isn't there? When something is denied you, and you know that you can't have it, that there is supposed to be a wall between you and that cookie, there is almost a sense of relief. Now, it's tinged with guilt and shame, but there's almost a sense of relief when you finally pick up that cookie, you look around to make sure nobody's watching, Oh, and you take a bite. Can you imagine living your entire life without sinning and having to deal with the temptations involved with not sinning? Because brothers and sisters, whatever sin, whatever temptation you struggle with, there is almost a moment of relief when you finally give in. Jesus never gave in. In his humanity, yes, his humanity was buoyed up by his divinity, divinity, but in his humanity, he never took the bite, never felt the relief of giving in to temptation. Now, I may be a really good person, but because I have sinned, I cannot offer any help to myself or to you in your payment for sin. But Jesus walking life, 40 days and 40 nights without anything to eat. And Satan says, turn the rocks into bread. You know, you can do it. Man shall not live by bread alone. His perfection, his sacrifice coupled with his divine nature made him a worthy sacrifice for our sin. His humanity allowed him to pay the penalty for human sin and his perfection, his sinlessness allowed that to be worthy. To give us grace. As we consider Jesus humanity, I want us to leave with a hope and an exhortation. First, the hope. As I mentioned before, Jesus in his humanity was sinless. This means that since Jesus was the perfect human being, the perfect sacrifice for sin, that sinfulness is not essential to our humanity. Let me say that again. Sinfulness is not essential to our humanity. Yes, we are sinful. Yes, we will struggle with sin until he finally returns and we see him face to face. We are resurrected and glorified bodies, but we don't have to live an eternity as sinful human beings because sinfulness is not essential to humanity. And that gives us hope as we struggle with our sins here on this earth. We can say no to the cookies. We can say no to the ice cream. We can say no to the cake. We can say no to the pleasures of this world. Because Jesus has redeemed us. And we have a new heart within us. A heart that beats with His grace. A heart that is alive because of the work that Jesus does. We can have victory over sin. Because it's not essentially a part of who we are. And secondly, I give you an exhortation. The Apostle John in his letters to the church, which were actually supposed to be the New Testament reading for today, 
But in chapter in Second John verse seven, he says, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. He says in his first letter, he says something very similar, but he says they carry with them the spirit of the Antichrist. Regardless of what you believe about the end of times, Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well in the world today. And what is it marked by? It's marked by a denial of the incarnation. It's marked by a denial that Jesus came in the flesh. We must get this right. We must understand and believe and profess that Jesus came in the flesh. Because our eternal future depends on it. Your eternal future depends on it. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for the reality, the beauty and the truth of the incarnation. We thank you for the hope that it gives to us, not only a hope of salvation, but a hope of victory in our pursuit of holiness and sanctification. As we are given the reminder that sinfulness is not essential to who we are as human beings, that each and every one of us, because of the work of redemption that has been done for us, because of the work of justification that has been done for us, can pursue holiness successfully. And know that that holiness will fully be ours in the new heavens and the new earth. And so, Lord, just as well, we ask that you open our eyes and our ears. Help us to search our hearts. And to know within our hearts that this is true. And to profess with our mouth that Jesus came in the flesh. That he is our Lord and Savior and that you raised him from the dead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God and Father, we do thank you once again for this meal, for this reminder of the gospel that is so dear to us, and this reminder of the glory of what we celebrate in Christmas. Help us to live in the hopeful anticipation of the world to come so that we might glorify you in our pursuit of holiness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 158. As we sing, angels we have heard on high. We are reminded that the angels look deeply and wonderingly into the glory of the gospel message. And we also anticipate the time when we will add our voices to theirs in the presence of God. So let us stand and sing, Angels We Have Heard on High, hymn 158.
as you go this week, take this blessing upon you. The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Good morning. morning, Merry Christmas. Good to be here. Good to gather. 
whether physically or electronically. One announcement as we begin is that we will have a candlelight service this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll meet here in the Fellowship Hall, hear some scriptures and some songs of the season, and uh, look forward to gathering with everybody for that, and I hope everybody has a wonderful and safe Christmas and New Year um, as we look forward to the next couple weeks. Are there any other announcements today? If not, our call to worship comes from the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Since I have trouble walking and chewing gum at the same time, I figured I'd light and then read. So... This is Mary's song after she had visited Elizabeth, which was after she had been told by Gabriel what would happen to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for these words where Mary lifts up praise and worship to you. Words that remind us that you are mindful of our humble state and that you are a promise-keeping God who has brought redemption through his son, through the descendant of Abraham, to all the nations. Because you have brought salvation and redemption to all the nations, we are able to gather here in your presence to worship you and to know that our worship is acceptable before you. And so remind us, Lord, that you are here with us. Remind us that you are forever God with us. And remind us that we are here to worship you. We do worship through prayer, for the, through the giving of tithes and offerings, through the reading and the teaching of the word, through the lifting of our voices in song. And we also worship you by praying as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take your hymn book, the maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 162. Lo, how a rose air blooming. The Rose of Sharon. 
We are here to worship our Lord and Savior. So let us stand and sing, Lo, how a rose air blooming, hymn 162. Thank you. Please be seated. As we consider Mary's attitude of worship to God, we are reminded that oftentimes we fall short in our worship, and yet God gives us the opportunity to come to Him to confess and to repent. So let's take a few moments to confess our sins together. Lift up your heads, O ye people. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and know that the King of glory has come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the one who has purchased salvation for us and given us forgiveness of sins. Our New Testament reading today comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. We will read Hebrews 2, 5 through 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death 
so that by our by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But the one who makes man holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not to angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he has to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Part of our worship is the giving of our tithes and offerings. So now please please prayerfully consider how and what you will give. And while that's 
To God and Father above, we do lift all glory, praise and honor to you. We thank you for all that you have provided for us. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you through the givings of our tithes and offerings. So please take what is given and please use it for your glory and for your honor so that your message of peace might be proclaimed into the darkness and the strife of our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing and take your hymn book and turn once to hymn number 159. What child is this? As the shepherds entered Bethlehem, as the shepherds entered the, the place where they were staying, they were wondering, who was this child? And so let us sing hymn number 159, What Child Is This? Please be seated. As the saints who have come before us and the saints who will come after us have done for centuries, 
we gather together around the truth of God's Word. And just as that truth was summarized early in the church history through the Apostles' Creed, we proclaim those same truths today. So church, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Couple updates. Uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer, please continue to pray for Natalie Wade in her ongoing cancer treatments. Pray for her family as well as they seek to minister to her. She was. Wow. Okay. Yes, yeah, so she'll be starting her treatments, radiation after the first of the year, and then chemo. Um, in conjunction with that as well. Um, Doug and Margie Crone, some, many of y'all know them. Doug's mom passed away, so we pray for them and uh, sympathy for them as well. They were, uh, she was at uh, the old Greenbrier Manor, which is what, Greenbrier Healthcare Center, and they were able to spend the last few hours with her, so we do thank God for that. Um, some of you know Stephen and Presley Ann Lawfridge from the Wellspring Congregation. They both um, uh, tested positive for COVID-19 this week. Um, so please be praying for them. Right now it sounds like they're doing about as Missy and Chris were through um, some of the worst that they went through. So please be praying for Stephen and Presley Ann. And also his mom um, was placed on hospice care a few weeks ago. So be praying for his mom as well and the rest of the family. Any other prayer updates or prayer requests? Oh, goodness. Yes. How is D doing? Hey, we're going to transfer her to uh, rehab in Monroe County. Okay. Probably yesterday or tomorrow. Okay. Is everybody here? Is she D is being hopefully transferred yesterday or today to a rehab facility in Monroe County. Okay. Okay. All right. Anything else? Okay. And Susan Jackson is the one. Susan and Jackson. Suzanne. Okay. 
And actually, be praying for Ellie. Uh, Sereno as well. She tested positive last week for the coronavirus. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, this is a time where we are supposed to feel the joy of the incarnation. And and we do. Uh, Forgive us for the times where we despair as we Consider the joy of our salvation coming through the virgin birth, our salvation coming through the word, taking on flesh and dwelling and living and uh, being among us. But oftentimes, uh, Christmas weighs heavy on our hearts as we consider uh, the brokenness of the world in which we live. Um, As we read the news, as we listen to the news, uh, once again, forgive us for probably doing that too much. Um, We can be uh, bogged down, weighed down by the weight of just all the bad news around us, Um, which seems to somehow, even though it doesn't really ramp up, it still seems to be magnified at this time of the year. As we consider the light that entered humanity through Mary, we are reminded of the darkness that it entered and the darkness in which we still live. We see your light. We, we know that it shines through salvation. We know that it shines through um, the grace that you have extended to us. But it seems sometimes like knowing the light and seeing the light just sometimes makes the darkness worse. And so we ask that you shine the light of the incarnation into our lives in such a way Uh, that the darkness is banished and that we can truly celebrate with joy the incarnation. The fact that the second person of the Trinity came to to dwell among us. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you that he was tempted as we are and yet without sin. We thank you that he struggled as we do and yet without sin that he lived that perfect life, that unique life to where he exhibited attributes of God, to where he healed the brokenhearted, he bound up the wounds, that he brought freedom to the oppressed. Help us to live in the joy of knowing that those promises that the Old Testament prophets gave us are fulfilled in him. As we sang last week, all the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee in that night. When we lift up our cares and concerns before you today, and they are many, we have a handful here that we will pray for specifically, but we have many cares and concerns that we carry with us, sometimes carrying alone, sometimes carrying with just a few select handful of people as we walk this earth. We do lift up Suzanne Jackson and her family and ask that you be with them as hospice has been called in and Provide strength in the midst of that. Provide comfort in the midst of that. And we know that you will work and can work through that situation to bring your glory. We pray for Dee and thank you for her her, uh, progression. And we ask that you continue to bring her healing and help her with the swallowing problem so that she can um, then begin to eat on her own. We pray for Terry Gwynn and, and thank you for the successful surgery for his prostate cancer and 
uh, for a successful stint after his heart attack, and we ask that you continue to be with him as he recuperates and recovers from both of those. We think of Doug Crone and Margie and the rest of their family as they are grieving the loss of Doug's mom. Thank you for those couple hours that they had with her at the end of her life and continue to walk with them, bringing comfort and peace to them in the midst of this difficult time. We think of others who have lost this year and over the last few years and many of us who, even though it's been many, many years, will look at that empty chair Consider the empty chair that, or the chair that would be empty were we to gather this Christmas time and grieve. Would remind us, for those who believe in you, that uh, there is comfort, that there are tears that are wiped away, and there is grief that is taken away in the new heavens and the new earth. We pray for Stephen and Presley Ann and, and their children. Uh, bring Stephen and Presley Ann quick healing. Protect their children and the rest of their family. From this coronavirus, we pray the same for Ellie Sereno, that you would bring her quick healing and and protect Hunter and Suzanne from it as well. We uh, ask that you take it away from our our world. Um, Lord, uh, it seems to have ramped up the anger that we have for one another in our culture. It seems to have ramped up much of the selfishness that we show in our culture, it has exposed all the areas where we have turned our backs on you, seeking peace, seeking fulfillment, seeking purpose outside of you. It has exposed them and shown them for the sham that they are. It has exposed them as nothing, as vapor, as we grasp at things of this world to fill the need that can only be filled by you. Lord, I pray that you heal our land, not just medically, but spiritually as well. Use this Christmas season as a time for your church to fully understand and to fully know as much as we can the truth and the glory of the incarnation and to proclaim it in a way that is empowered by your spirit so that the world might hear, so that our country, so that our state, so that our community right here in Greenbrier County might turn their hearts toward you, might see their need for your light in the midst of this darkness and seek you out. Embolden us as your people to proclaim the gospel. Embolden us as your people to mess up the gospel as we proclaim it and to rest in your spirit as the only means by which that gospel, whether it's perfectly presented or whether it is stumbled over and botched, can be effective in the life of the people who hear it. Lord, help us to set aside our pettiness, help us to set aside our selfishness, and help us to seek your glory in your glory alone, in all that we do, in all that we say, even in all that we eat. Lord, we love you. We can only love you because you first loved us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Uh, We will begin in verse 26 of the first chapter of Luke. Luke, he tells us in the first four verses of his gospel that he undertook a mission to um, interview and as many people as he could, gather as much eyewitness information as he could about the life of Jesus, what Jesus did and taught during his earthly ministry. And he began at the beginning with Elizabeth and Zechariah and also with Mary. And so today we read the account of Gabriel coming to Mary to tell her about the child she would soon have. So hear these words from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let us pray. Our God and Father, once again, we come to you asking for illumination. Lord, please shine the light of your Holy Spirit upon this word so that we might better see, better understand the magnificence and the glory of the incarnation so that we might worship you better. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us in such a way that our hearts are changed that our eyes are open to your glory and that we leave here today refreshed, uplifted and shown how you have worked salvation for us. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. So what made Jesus a worthy sacrifice? What made Jesus work as our substitute valuable enough to pay the price for the sins of redeemed humanity? Last week, we looked at Jesus' divinity and how he kept that divinity throughout his earthly ministry. Even now, he is still truly God as well as truly man. And this divinity gave Jesus the capacity to be able to take judgment from God to pay for our sins. And this week, we are going to look at the other side of the coin of the doctrine of incarnation, Jesus' human nature. And see that there are two things that made him worthy to be our substitute. His humanity and his sinlessness. 
But first, before we jump into his humanity and his sinlessness, I want us to look briefly at the virgin birth because it is the basis of Jesus' humanity. Let's review what Sam Storms, how we used his definition last week of the incarnation. And when we talk about the incarnation, we mean that the eternal word or second person of the Trinity became a man or assumed flesh at a point in time, yet without ceasing to be God. The word flesh used in this definition is is taken from the word flesh used in John chapter 1, where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it is a strong, almost crude way of referring to human nature in its totality, in its wholeness, in its completeness. Jesus had a true body. He had a true soul, a true spirit or will, true emotions. All those things that make us human, except for sin, belong to Jesus. And we'll look at that sinlessness here in a little bit and also what it means for you and I in our walk, in our pursuit of holiness. But how did Jesus become flesh? He became flesh through what we read today of what Gabriel revealed to Mary prior to the Holy Spirit coming upon her and the power of the Most High overshadowing her. It it came through the virgin birth. Now, the virgin birth is something that, that many people have issue with. We just don't see that happen, you know. Parthenogenesis or whatever it's called just does not happen at all, much less on a regular basis within our culture. But we need to consider a couple things as we think about the virgin birth and its quote-unquote believability. We need to remember our reliance upon the inspiration of Scripture. Scripture reveals to us God's truth. And we need, when we reach those areas where we don't fully understand or we are diving into the deep end of God's incomprehensibility, we need to trust and believe what He has revealed to us. It's not a blind faith. God never once calls us to blindly believe. He has revealed truth. He has accommodated His nature to us in such a way that we can study it so that we can know it, but we won't know it fully. And we re- when we reach the bounds of our ability to know and to understand, we need to trust the truth that God has given to us. We need to trust the inspiration of Scripture. But we also need to consider the virgin birth in context of the rest of Jesus' life and the uniqueness of that life. His entire life was different from humanity. He was sinless. He is tempted as we are and yet without sin. His entire ministry was unique. He didn't need to study under teachers because he is the one who is the word of God. He comes with an authority from God because he descended from God. His ministry was also unique in that he exhibited in his ministry attributes of God. The power, knowledge. He is also omnipresent as God is now in his ministry to the church. His death was unique. Even the Roman centurion looked up as Jesus breathed his last and said, this truly is the Son of God. This truly is the Lord. And of course, his resurrection was unique. His ascension was unique. And his current ministry as a human being in the presence of God is unique as well. 
So why do we balk? Why do we disbelieve when we consider the uniqueness of his birth? If the rest of his life and ministry was unique, why not his birth as well? So how did the virgin birth occur? Luke 1 says, the Gabriel says that the Holy Spirit would come upon uh, Mary and the power of the Most High would overshadow her and that the Holy One would be born to her. And then she gives some names, the Son of God in Matthew's account. Uh, she is t- or Joseph is told to call his name Jesus because he would be the Savior of the world, Savior of the people of God. The details are very vague. I mean, the best we can do is to say, as Martin Lloyd-Jones does, that all we know is that something was taken from Mary, was cleansed, and was rendered free from all pollution so that his human nature was sinless and entirely free from all the effects and results of the fall. Such was the effect of the operation of the Holy Spirit upon her. We do know that Luke here is is very intentional in the language that he uses. It's it's uh, it's very asexual language. It, it seeks to remove as much of the physical act of procreation as possible from the conception of Jesus in order to separate it from myths of the time. This was not like Zeus with Achilles or Heracles' mothers. Um, This was a distinct act of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in order for for Jesus to be born of a woman. But it is the basis, the foundation, the beginning of his humanity. It It is the moment in which he took on flesh and began to dwell among us. We oftentimes don't give Mary as much credit as we should in the in the uh, Protestant church uh, as an overcorrective, I think, from the Catholic church from which we um, reformed. Uh, But she is special. She is great and highly favored, as Gabriel says to her twice. And this is the foundation of the incarnation. And whether we believe in the God of the Bible or we believe in the fabrication of our own. Whoops, I said that wrong. Sorry about that. It's not whether, it's we do. We either believe in the God of the Bible or we believe in a fabrication of our own minds. And the God of the Bible has revealed to us that the Word became flesh through the virgin birth. So how is He a worthy sacrifice? In pointing out the ineffectual nature of the Old Testament sacrificial system, Greg Lanier makes a point that was wonderful to me that I really should have gotten ages ago. We all know that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was ineffective. It was temporary and designed to be temporary and designed to point to something else. But what is one of the main reasons that it was ineffective? What being on earth sinned against God? A human being. And so who must pay the penalty for man's sin? A human None of the sacrifices of the Old Testament system were human. They were all bulls and goats and sheep and pigeons and different animals that could not pay for the penalty of sin. At best, they could be a temporary substitute pointing forward to our need for a worthy sacrifice. And that's the first thing that makes Jesus' sacrifice worthy is His humanity. As we talked about a few moments ago, He is flesh And blood, he is body and soul. His human nature was fully and truly human. 
As we consider his life, we see this. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 teach, tells us that Jesus was subject to the process of growth and development just as we are. Young people in the church, do you struggle with growing up and maturing? Jesus struggled with that just as you do, except without sin. Jesus experienced all the things that we experience without sin. He, he experienced suffering. He experienced death. He experienced pain and grief. There were times when he was hungry after 40 days in the wilderness. He was tempted with bread. Why? Because he hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was cold at times. He was hot at times. He was tired at times. All of the things that you and I experience as human beings, he experienced as well. He was truly human. He walked this earth as a human, living life. The joys of life, the difficulties of life, the ups of life, the downs of life, he lived. This includes temptation, which leads us to the second thing that makes him worthy. Because he was tempted as we are, according to Hebrews 4.15, yet without sin. He is tempted in all the ways that we think about, in many ways that we don't think about. The Ten Commandments, he was tempted in all those areas. Was he tempted to despair when he saw the darkness of the world around him? Absolutely. Was he tempted to turn his back on the path that God had laid before him? Absolutely. All of the areas, all of them, where you and I are tempted. He was tempted as well, yet without sin. Now you may be thinking in your mind, Ike, you told us last week that his divine nature allowed him to be sinless in the midst of temptation. So it was kind of a it's kind of a shoe-in. And definitely not as difficult as the temptations I face. So there is some truth to that. But let's think about Jesus' human nature for just a moment. How many of you have ever tried a diet before? I remember when I was in seminary, uh, one of my good friends, Rick, um, and I were talking about how we both wanted to lose weight. And Rick said, well, I've got this book. It's called The South Beach Diet. Why don't you pick up a copy and we'll do it together? South Beach diet can be a wonderful thing. The hard part is, is for the first two to four weeks, you eliminate all carbohydrates. Do you like to can corn? Yeah, that's a problem. You can't have corn the first two to four weeks. Do you like carrots? That's a problem. You can't have carrots for the first two to four weeks. Do you like cookies and cakes and ice cream? You can't have cookies and cakes and ice cream for the first two to four weeks. Even bread is not allowed. Do you understand, do you know how hard it is to have a diet like mine and suddenly to stop eating bread and corn and carrots and cookies and cake and ice cream? They sit there on the table because I was the only one in the five of us that was doing this diet. There would be bread and cookies and cake and ice cream. And that was the most difficult thing in the world not to just run over and grab one after the kids had gone to bed and eat a cookie or a dozen and nobody would know until Michelle got home tomorrow and counted because she was at work 
And there's almost a sense of relief when you do that, isn't there? When something is denied you, and you know that you can't have it, that there is supposed to be a wall between you and that cookie, there is almost a sense of relief. Now, it's tinged with guilt and shame, but there's almost a sense of relief when you finally pick up that cookie, you look around to make sure nobody's watching, oh, and you take a bite. Can you imagine living your entire life without sinning and having to deal with the temptations involved with not sinning? Because brothers and sisters, whatever sin, whatever temptation you struggle with, there is almost a moment of relief when you finally give in. Jesus never gave in. In his humanity, yes, his humanity was buoyed up by his divinity, divinity. But in his humanity, he never took the bite, never felt the relief of giving in to temptation. Now, I may be a really good person. But because I have sinned, I cannot offer any help to myself or to you in your payment for sin. But Jesus walking life. 40 days and 40 nights without anything to eat. And Satan says, turn the rocks into bread. You know you can do it. Man shall not live by bread alone. His perfection, his sacrifice, coupled with his divine nature, made him a worthy sacrifice for our sin. His humanity allowed him to pay the penalty for human sin and his perfection, his sinlessness allowed that to be worthy. To give us grace. As we consider Jesus humanity, I want us to leave with a hope and an exhortation. First, the hope. As I mentioned before, Jesus in his humanity was sinless. This means that since Jesus was the perfect human being, the perfect sacrifice for sin, that sinfulness is not essential to our humanity. Let me say that again. Sinfulness is not essential to our humanity. Yes, we are sinful. Yes, we will struggle with sin until he finally returns and we see him face to face. We are resurrected and glorified bodies. But we don't have to live an eternity as sinful human beings because sinfulness is not essential to humanity. And that gives us hope as we struggle with our sins here on this earth. We can say no to the cookies. We can say no to the ice cream. We can say no to the cake. We can say no to the pleasures of this world. Because Jesus has redeemed us. And we have a new heart within us. A heart that beats with His grace. A heart that is alive because of the work that Jesus does. We can have victory over sin. Because it's not essentially a part of who we are. And secondly, I give you an exhortation. The Apostle John in his letters to the church, which were actually supposed to be the New Testament reading for today, 
But in chapter in second John verse seven, he says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. He says in his first letter, he says something very similar, but he says they carry with them the spirit of the antichrist. Regardless of what you believe about the end of times, Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well in the world today. And what is it marked by? It's marked by a denial of the incarnation. It's marked by a denial that Jesus came in the flesh. We must get this right. We must understand and believe and profess that Jesus came in the flesh. Because our eternal future depends on it. Your eternal future depends on it. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for the reality, the beauty, and the truth of the incarnation. We thank you for the hope that it gives to us. Not only a hope of salvation, but a hope of victory in our pursuit of holiness and sanctification. As we are given the reminder that sinfulness is not essential to who we are as human beings. That each and every one of us, because of the work of redemption that has been done for us, because of the work of justification that has been done for us, can pursue holiness successfully and know that that holiness will fully be ours in the new heavens and the new earth. And so, Lord, just as well, we ask that you open our eyes and our ears. Help us to search our hearts and to know within our hearts that this is true and to profess with our mouth that Jesus came in the flesh, that He is our Lord and Savior, and that You raised Him from the dead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God and Father, we do thank You once again for this meal, for this reminder of the Gospel that is so dear to us, and this reminder of the glory of what we celebrate in Christmas. Help us to live in the hopeful anticipation of the world to come so that we might glorify you in our pursuit of holiness. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 158. As we sing, angels we have heard on high, we are reminded that the angels... Look deeply and wonderingly into the glory of the gospel message. And we also anticipate the time when we will add our voices to theirs in the presence of God. So let us stand and sing, Angels We Have Heard on High, Hymn 158.
As you go this week, take this blessing upon you. The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.